0: Thanks Pete. What a fantastic morning. We could, uh, we could pray all day like this, couldn't we? Hearing news and then being helped by God in prayer. Um, please turn to Philippians chapter 2.19. Looking at um, what Paul writes about Timothy, we won't get to look at what he writes about Epaphroditus. That can be for another time. Um, and the title is like Paul and Timothy. We're going to learn things about relationships in the Lord, um, older to younger. In fact, any any team dynamic, eldership team. There'll be some application for marriage and good friendships, but eldership teams, movement relationships like we have in advance. And um, the plan is, we'll see how things go, but we, I won't be looking at the, the Timothy section at the end of side two, we'll hope to do that in groups uh, towards the end. Um, I want to get to the main business of the text, which is some of the things that Paul, we see about Paul and his relationship with Timothy, but um, some introduction first. Let's pray. Open thou our eyes, O Lord, that we might behold the wondrous things in your law. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so chapter 2, verse 19. I hope in the Lord, (coughs) says Paul, I hope in the Lord Jesus (coughs) to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you. I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Christ Jesus. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. We'll leave it there. So the context, I'm sure you know, is Paul is in prison in Rome, and he's writing to Christians in the Roman colony of Philippi. Uh, That was the first church that Paul planted in Europe. It was very dramatic. There was a dream that catalyzed them going to that leading city of Macedonia, Macedonian call. Then they go there, and the three people loom large, Lydia, accepted their message and opened her house. And if you've been involved in a church plant, you'll know that hospitality of various sorts is one of the most important gifts in a church plant. So Lydia, uh, then you've got the slave girl, dramatic deliverance for her, the power of God. And then you've got this jailer and his family who uh, came to faith. And what, what a remarkable church plant that was. In terms of Paul and Timothy's role, uh, we can back up to chapter 1, verse 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. So Christ Jesus is the supreme head. They're writing to all the saints in Christ Jesus, who's the supreme head. They've identified themselves within Christ. They've identified the saints, the ones they're writing to in Christ. Jesus Christ is the headline. Uh, Who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. (coughs) So I love the economy of that Philippians 1 verse to describe um, some very key relationships in the body of Christ. You've got Jesus who is over all. Please say over. And then you've got these amazing groups, these clusters in, inside a local church. You've got uh, elders or overseers. You've got deacons which means servants. That's used in different ways in the New Testament but speaks of leadership, responsibility, and serving elders, deacons, and saints. We're all saints of God, so within the church. And then you've got got Jesus over, others within, and then you've got Paul and Timothy helping from the outside, helping strengthen and encourage from the outside. It's a great combination, uh, having people on the inside and people on the outside. (laughs) Now, when we think about uh, what Paul does, we're going to look at some of the things we can emulate. and and should, and some of the things we shouldn't emulate. But I've had a couple of questions recently about what does apostolic ministry look like? So I'm going to talk in a minute about what we don't emulate with Paul and what we do try to. But just to come at it from another angle, what does apostolic ministry look like? So that means if we're a movement of churches who want to honor all the spiritual gifts, 1 Corinthians 12 Romans 12 Ephesians 4 we don't obsess about any particular cluster, you can, things can get weird if you do that, but if we want to embrace all of it and we think of, think of the Ephesians 4 gifts and the role that the apostolic gift plays and the other gifts together, what kind of what would it feel like or what would be some of the emphases and um, in terms of apostolic ministry. It might be resident in, I can think of some people I know who I think this is all resident in them. I can think of movements. I hope we're increasingly becoming a movement that has apostolic characteristics. There's a series of Fs that I think are helpful. I think apostolic ministry is fatherly. That produces a security. So it may be Someone younger who produces security. We don't want to be too, just too tight on father. He has to be of a certain age and he has to operate in a certain way. I think fatherly produces a, a, a security in which churches can work together. And certainly that seems to be the story with Paul. He seemed to help churches be on mission together. So security fatherly. Give us another one not uh, thank you for saying that one there's an attention to foundations you right? know that to go high you need to go deep want to be uh, last long we need to be broad so it's 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 not obsessing about any one particular area but it's trying to build holistically but not in a bland way you know sometimes if it's biblical Balanced Christianity, BBC, it can be almost, well, this one keeps that one in check. And this one keeps that one in check. That's not the spirit of it all. And Angie was so helpful on that, that the deep things promote the high things. And through the heights of even emotion sometimes, we celebrate the deep, deep things, which take us deeper. So foundational breadth. There's a further. The atmosphere of the room yesterday and today is let's go further isn't it the gospel is needed in wembley brent let's go there let's trust god for further let's trust god for growth so there's a there's a let's let's move on great that rome's got the gospel now let's try and get to spain it's great that we've got some pockets some churches in wales and scotland but more lord more people need to know who you are and we're not trying to Plant flags. We're not trying to. Ex- we're not trying to um, do a brand. When we say we're a movement, it's because we're moving together in the commission of Jesus. So when we say movement, it's verb, it's action. We move together. And then there's a faith. If we're going to go further, we need faith to do that. We Need courage. There's been so many prayers. Whenever everyone's opening their, their mouth, there's a but God com- component to this. But God can do that. It's faith. This one's a bit of a stretch. Fertility. <laughs> Multiplicatory aspect of it. We're praying, God, give us more leaders. Please, God, give us more. Can can we grow? Can that, that small thing grow and become two and then become three? Fertility. F- and you need these all work together. You need faith. We need eyes of faith for one another. And then the last one is fit. Sometimes reflect on um, 1 Corinthians 12:28. Paul li- lists a, a number of gifts, sort of blends some of the lists of glyph- gifts. And he talks about the firstness of the apostolic gift. Apostolic gift isn't first because it's better. It's first that it, cr- it creates space and makes space. And we all feel we've got a, a bigger arena to play in. There are some few Fs on apostolic ministry. Now, Paul obviously was doing this in steroids. He's the one we get the most view of. But it's important to just not get off with the fairies here and think that we can emulate or should emulate everything that, that Paul did. There was a uniqueness about his apostolic ministry that we completely honor and don't try and replicate and do. And we could call that his positional ministry apostolic role he had a unique role from God along with the other the 12 apostles of the lamb there was a foundation that they laid through their writings and their ministry that was a once and for all thing and we don't try and relay that foundation and people can get confused about apostolic ministry it can almost sound you can sound very pretentious if we describe some of what we do as apostolic ministry if you don't have this distinction between positional and functional it can sound pretty confusing to people. So a nice cameo verse to help us is 1 Corinthians 9, uh, verse 1 to 2. Not, am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen, the, seen Jesus our Lord? Are you not my workmanship? And I think there's a change of gear there in his verse. Are you not my workmanship in the Lord? If to others I'm not an apostle, at least I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. So I think Paul starts here writing as a positional big A apostle. I Am I not an apostle? And the answer to that question is, Paul, you are an apostle. You are a once and for all, very capitalized, underlined, italic, bolded apostle. Am I not an apostle? The answer is, yes, you are an apostle. Then he gets more deferential in the second half of the verse. And he says, I know I'm not to everybody, but I am to you because I worked with you. I actually did something with you. So Paul was happy to admit that he both was an apostle and that he wasn't an apostle to everybody. He was not a hands-on, functional apostle to every church, even in New Testament times. His writings and his model of ministry is part of the ongoing foundation that we don't tamper with. We build on that. But he was happy to say to Corinth, I am an apostle because I worked with you. You're my workmanship. That was his credibility in local functional foundation laying in Corinth. He laid the universal, universal big A apostolic foundations through his writings and broader ministry, but he only did hands-on apostolic work with a, a, a certain number of churches. So that table there, um, at the bottom of the page, summarizes the kind of things I'm talking about under positional and functional. <coughs> so which are we? Which one are we going for? Functional. <laughs> functional. That's why we don't think advances is for everybody. We, there's, there's nothing in us that thinks we've got this down and everyone else should join us. And that's why building relationships, you know, I said with, said with Owen, it, it takes time. We want Owen, Owen to feel, is this uh, Ephesians 4 type spiritually gifted environment? Is, is there an apostolic gift in play? and the other gifts in play? You don't just usually work that out overnight or in, or in one conference. And we we're we're never try and press ourselves on each other. It's a functional thing that will be for some and it won't be for others. And we celebrate what others are doing. Not trying to secretly think we're the best at all. So that's why we often use phrases, if you've noticed, to, in lieu of the A word. So we often use functional phrases to describe what we mean by apostolic and Ephesians 4 ministry, such as we plant and strengthen churches. We, we use a functional description uh, rather than a noun word that, that can... <laughs> Help people get it, that would make them a bit confused. Is this positional or is this functional? We often use the word apostolic. Sometimes the word apostles used. That's, there's no embargo on that word, but we would like to emphasize the functional component, the ick components. And a real helpful f- phrase for us is that any ministry coming I mean from the outside is invited, not imposed. It's a lovely phrase. It's invited, not imposed. Now, that doesn't mean that we um, wait for any invitation to say anything to anyone, but being in partnership together. So what Owen, his elders are saying by being in partnership with Advance is, um, I trust you guys. I invite you into our lives and our church, and we will never usurp the authority of local elders. Local elders govern churches. We're a, we're a movement of autonomous yet interdependent churches. So we don't appoint elders in your church. We may. If they're the first batch of elders, who else is going to appoint them? But once elders are in place, we'd love to come along and support and help elders appoint and the congregation appoint more elders. But we're not, we're not like the super, super church movement. We're a movement of autonomous local churches working together, and that's very freeing and very important. But Owen's saying to us, um, guys, I, in the future, I will have blind spots, and the nature of a blind spot is I'm blind. I don't know. <laughs> you can't see a blind spot. So the Galatians were so bewitched, they didn't even know they were bewitched. And Paul didn't wait for an invitation to say, well, you know, well, Paul, why aren't you talking to them about that? Imagine if Paul had said, well, you know, I don't want to on their toes and no that we there's an there's a standing invitation that we give to one another that our church has given to brothers i've given it to some of my friends in this room it's like don't wait for the invite speak help, help me out you know but it's still done in a in a deferential way especially when we're speaking to to elders and now to the main business of the passage, a few things, wonderful phrases about Paul. He hopes in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how he starts off. He hopes in the Lord Jesus Christ to do what? Okay, that's quite a mundane, average thing. Why didn't he just say? hoping to send Timothy to you. Why is he gone? I'm hoping in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon? Being in the Lord, being in Christ was a massive concept for Paul. And it spans both his view of his great salvation and we're seeing small day-to-day matters. Like he uses in Christ to talk about how we're hidden, clothed, righteous, died, buried, raised in Christ, uh, wrapped inside his righteousness for all eternity. Hallelujah. I mean, the phrase in Christ Jesus is used with truly epic proportions by Paul. And now we've got him using the same phrase for something as potentially mundane as sending Timothy to you. He took his daily hopes. To that safe and dependent place of being in Christ. He submitted this hope to Jesus. He's not just saying, I'm hoping for the best. Please be patient. He's saying, I recognize this is all under the lordship of Jesus. Now, in the Lord, I'm hoping to send him to you soon. But by placing it in the Lord, it, there's a confidence. Because if something's in the Lord, nothing is impossible with the Lord. But by placing it in the Lord, it's also an act of humility. We're saying, Lord, this is in your hands. Something as simple as will I get to you or will Timothy get to you, that's also in your hands, Lord. Helps us stay confident and expectant but also peaceful and dependent when we place these day-to-day things in the Lord, in Christ Jesus. In Christ, hoping in Christ. We have hopes for our churches, don't we? Keep them in Christ. Because if they're in Christ, they will happen. If they're the best thing, And if they're not in Christ and they don't happen, you won't crash because you're in Christ. These things are in Christ. Secondly, he cares deeply for them. He sends uh, Titus, uh, Timothy, saying that I too may be cheered by news of you. That I too may be cheered by news of you. Who here has been cheered in their souls by the different bits of news we've heard? I mean, what a morning we've had. And uh, even when it's brothers and sisters sharing news, it's not going very well. So there's a cheer about it, isn't there? So when uh, Vicky just said, um, it's, well, this is tougher than we thought. seemed to go from the heights of faith to feeling pretty depressed. We don't all go, oh, isn't it terrible? We go, oh, wow, there's no... Temptation that has seized us, except that which is common to vicky and us. <laughs> there's a there's a camaraderie in the gospel. It's like freeing, isn't it? Oh, we're not the only ones who go who go from there to there. But then we don't our prayers aren't, Oh, help us, Lord, as we just keep going from there to there. No, we pray, God, may vicky may may she may she not swing so much. I was praying with, with Ben. And I toggled immediately from praying for Vicky, for praying for us. Yeah, God, we don't want to be those who swing. We can empathize with that. Keep us steady. And there was a, like a cheer that came into the room as we heard and as we, as we prayed that. So we don't share news just to fill in time between preaching and worship slots. You know? or we, don't, we don't share news to help just help us all feel better you know, about each other. There's a cheer in the gospel that happens as we move as a family on mission together. And this concern is something that Paul personally oozed. And again, someone just this morning. Ben, it was you. Ben said, um, say that thing about we're all in, uh, can you say it? It's it's better with your slightly Welsh accent. About, About all being in each other's corners. Yeah, just stand up and say that. You'll say it better than me. It's simple, but... yeah yeah yeah, and you know, some of us aren't, because of our, our own situations, we don't feel they're going particularly well. We're not holding back and celebrating other people's situations. That's a sign of real maturity. We celebrate with those who celebrate. Not everything comes down to the lowest common denominator, but we don't leave anyone at, behind on the battlefield. No one gets left behind. We loop back, back around. There's a concern for one another and for um, the churches. Philippians 1.4, therefore my brothers, Philippians 4.1, I'm sorry. Therefore my brothers whom I love and long for. It's great that we can speak like that about each other. My joy and my crown stand thus firm in the Lord, my beloved. I just love, look at this. Brothers, sisters, love, long, joy, and crown. And then he doesn't stop there. Oh, isn't this lovely? He says, come on, let's, let's stand. And then he ends off with my beloved. So there's these fantastic exhortations. stand, Don't fall over. stand, Go again. Plants. Tell people about Jesus. But it's not like clinical and hard because it's, it's within I love you and long for you. My joy and crown, and at the end, my beloved. It's a great sandwich. Paul, I think the aftertaste of a conversation with Paul was commendation, encouragement, and grace. But he also corrected and coached, didn't he? You think about his epistles. to the Corinthians and the Galatians, uh, J.B. Phillips, Galatians 3, what does that say? Dear idiots, uh, what else? In what context? I've just Something, my dear idiots, in Galatians 3. Who has, my dear idiots, who has bewitched you or something? It's, just like, it's like, he hugs you whilst he smashes you, you know? <laughs> so we really can have the best of both worlds here, brothers and sisters, in our relationships and our eldership teams and churches, and there's a movement. But if we overdo. Um, exhortations or critique, the critique components, unwittingly we can create a vague sense of inadequacy and of navel-gazing. So again, if you sometimes think we're not practical enough um, or you know, pointing out each other's the things you've got to grow in enough, like people often ask me, any tips, how can I grow? And So often I just don't have any. Um, it's because I'm not really looking for them. You know, if, they, if they're there, I'll, I'll speak to them. But we want the aftertaste to be with, with, for one another. And within that, we can correct and tweak and, and coach. And obviously, if something big comes up, we rebuke as well. But it's a, it's a rebuke, my beloved, kind of rebuke. And especially those of us who are leaders of leaders and have a fatherly or older brother or older sister-type ministry, if we come across two corrective always trying to fix things after a while people who are under our fatherly or motherly ministry can think i wonder if this is what the heavenly father and my heavenly father's like you know it can just create a, it 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 can be the beginning of a journey down into unhealthy introspection and just feeling all a bit you know am I always taking our our pulse we want to correct don't hear what i'm not saying but back to being in Christ concerned loving my joy my crown 9 verse 2 1 Corinthians 9 verse 2 you're the seal of my apostleship Ben didn't you do a did you do a crazy church series someone's done a chaotic church or crazy church series on yeah. Corinth messy church yeah <laughs> corinth was chaos man drunk on communion wine divided, proud, and Paul doesn't just say, well, they're sort of not really part of us. He says, there are my crown, my joy, the seal of my apostleship. (laughs) If You want to know how well I'm doing as a functional, hands-on apostle? Look at Corinth, he says. (laughs) Isn't isn't this great? Isn't this freeing? The, The seal of his apostleship isn't, oh, they're so brilliant and rosy and shiny, he owns them and l- corrects and coaches, but it was within relational security, acceptance and delight. 1 Corinthians 4.14, I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. There's not a shame when we correct each other. There's not shame to it. There's an admonishment as family, within a family context. Next one, Paul saw himself as both a father and fellow worker with Timothy. Verse 22, but you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father, he served with me in the gospel. You see that? So he's saying Timothy's a son, that he's a father, but then quite contrary to sort of heavy patriarchal feel, he says, he serves with me in the gospel, not under me in the gospel. I'm a father to you, Timothy, but we serve together. So both a father and a fellow worker. Could you say father? Father. Say fellow. fellow. Okay, now this combination, I think, is critically important, and it can be very, very useful and healthy if we keep it in our minds when we think about team relationships this would be a marriage team together it would be as your kids get older it will be on eldership teams or leadership teams if you don't like us if you don't yet have an eldership team on relationships in this room as we try and move together to not just go to one going to one's easier going to two keeping two is harder but it's fantastic it's powerful for healthy relationships. So if you if a relationship is too much father and not enough fellow, then it's gonna feel like what you tell me? Too much father, not enough fellow. What what could the feel of the relationship be? Contr- g- great. Controlling, potentially, prescriptive, dominant. It's authoritarian. Yes, why? why don't you challenge him? Because he's my father in the Lord. You also kind of never grow up, do you? Well, beyond a certain point. It can be entitled. It can be patronizing, often unintentionally. It can be containing rather than releasing. Now, we, we don't do this on purpose, do we? we? We father and mother, and we keep that healthy, authoritative. Or we, we keep, you need to know that you do have some seniority, but if you, if, you're, if you do that with a heavy touch rather than a light touch, you don't mean it, but it can just squash rather than, than release. And it's so good being a father and a mother. So good. If it's just fellow worker or too much fellow at the expense of father, you're thinking eldership teams, thinking movement teams, etc., etc. If it's too much fellow and not enough father, what would the relationship feel like? Potentially. Could be disrespectful. And the Bible teaches us to respect our leaders and honor our leaders. Did someone say corporate? Corporate, Corporate, directionless. Hey, we're all fellows together. Who's in charge? Well, no, 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 we're all fellows. The poppy grows above the others. Snip, snip. Got to keep it all fellows. Is that illustration okay? Just poppies? Snip, snip, is that okay? Or did that... (laughs) It can become functional rather than familial. And the the absence of clear leadership can make things frustrating after a while. Just a bunch of bros and sisters together. It's great. You can be very cuddly, but not actually go anywhere. So this is a tricky balance, but it's well worth fighting for. And I think it's helpful language, so... So on our uh, leadership team, we've spoken about this fellow father thing. And it's quite useful language, because sometimes the guys will need to say to me, um, PJ, can you just make the call here? <laughs> or I need just to just have confidence to make the call, because um, I'm the leader. and I'm using that synonymously with father for the purpose of this illustration. And other times, they'll want to say, Hey, PJ, we are also in the room. Hello. Hello, fellow elders, fellow leadership team. Remember that. And it's nice to have language. You know, you, you don't have to use father and fellow, but have something else. Um, and and um, sometimes on the global team with Advance, guys will say to me just after a meeting, or I actually got a text from Ryan in the middle of a meeting a few weeks ago. Um, <laughs> he was essentially saying, can you please take the lead a little stronger here? Because I was trying to be very, I, I like, you want to be deferential. You want to be draw, drawing in and consultative. And he was saying, a little bit more father, a little bit less fellow, please. Can, you can go the other way. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you can lose your confidence a bit as a leader. You need, you need someone on the team, just say, come on, man. Please, thanks for drawing us in. just, this isn't a major issue, just, you make the call. Uh, next one. He contended with uncertainty and circumstantial frustrations. Verse 23. Verse 23. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me, and I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. Fact. Paul did not want to be in prison. The great apostle Paul didn't want to be in prison, and God put him in prison. He couldn't get out and about as much as he wanted. He did not want to be there. Fact, Paul wanted to send them Timothy, but he couldn't at the moment, and he wasn't sure when he could. I just don't want, to, I don't want us to miss how frustrating this must have been. Paul's saying, I want to come to you, I can't. I wish I could send Timothy to you, but I can't. And he doesn't really... Just say anything much beyond that. He's just—he's just candid. He, he, the point is planting and strengthening churches, and moving together, and leading churches. It's not an exact science. You know, we talk about structures and you know evolution. It's just there's two things that just mess seem to mess things up a lot. Now, in God's sovereignty, they're not messed up. It just feels messed up to us. The first is the devil. He's out to frustrate us. So he gets into relationships, he put, gets, he'll use laws of the land, or that really, that's the second thing, it's the devil who jumps in, and then there's, there's all these, these complexities of living in today's world. So we're, we're living in a season at the moment where we're not able to travel anything like as freely as we, we want to because of visa things. Now, when the American government put in their immigration laws, they weren't thinking, how can we best enhance the Great Commission here? They just care l- less about the Great Commission. We're trying to extend the kingdom of God and be around the place. We're constrained currently by the laws of the land until we get, get a green card. And we just need to trust God. We, Ash and I were just having to, to trust God in that. But I want to encourage you, encourage you, growing a church, being on an eldership team, being a movement of churches together, we've got to roll with uh, Difficulties. And God's not confused. Paul, Paul being in prison here, he wrote some great stuff. He had, there was a, a longevity to his influence that happened because he couldn't go, because he had to stay. We must have that kind of faith in, in these various situations that we find ourselves in that are similar in some way to that. We need to be patient, trusting, trusting the Lord, God is at work, and just be honest with each other. Staying in faith that the Lord is doing it, the Lord is building. Okay, before we turn to Timothy in, in groups, any thoughts or reflections?